Welcome back to the Women Offshore podcast. Thank you for listening to this show. Your support means that you are helping us make a difference in the lives of women with careers on the water. If you want to propel this organization forward, please consider giving a donation at womenoffshore.org. You may already know that the Women Offshore podcast is a part of the Oil & Gas Global Network, and they have a lot of great shows representing different parts of the energy industry, such as the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast, Energy Scale-Ups, Journey to the Energy C-Suite, Oil & Gas HSE, and so much more. I will include links to these shows in the show notes. Have a listen and subscribe to the best energy podcasts out there. Speaking of energy, there is a book called Breaking the Gas Ceiling. It is full of inspiring stories of women who have made it in the offshore industry. They are pioneers. Today, we have a special guest, the author, Rebecca Ponton. She is an American journalist. Her work has appeared in numerous American and international publications, including National Geographic Traveler, CNN Traveler, Texas Monthly, and others. She's also a petroleum landman and obtained her certification through the University of Texas Petroleum Extension. On today's show, Rebecca is going to read to us. She has chosen a chapter, and I find it ironic that it is someone I know from the Women Offshore community. I'm going to hand it over to Rebecca to take over the show. I'll see you next week with an interview with Rebecca and how she is continuing to raise the profile for women in energy beyond her book, Breaking the Gas Ceiling. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. I'm reading today from my book, Breaking the Gas Ceiling, Women in the Offshore Oil and Gas Industry. And I'm reading from Chapter 10, which is Arlette Fastudo, Sonengal's first female marine engineer. I remember the first words of the captain. He said, okay, girls on board, do you really want to do this? Is this really what you want to do with your life? If I were you, I would do something else. You can give up right now. We said, no, we are here to sail and see how it goes. He said, I have been captain for many years. If it's not easy for us men, think how it's going to be for you girls. Rather than being offended, Arlette says, I think he was saying, yeah, you can do it, but you have to show people you can. He was just joking, giving us a welcome, acting like a father. I was 19 and he looked at us like babies. It's very lonely. It's a very hard life. I would not send my child out to sea. Having said that, she points out an interesting change in her personality that has developed over time. You get used to it, and then you do not want to be in crowded places. It affects your mind. You want to be in a calm place. Now I prefer to be with my family or my friends rather than going out. And when she is on board the ship, she says, it's amazing. You cannot stop admiring the sea. Upon completing the first year of schooling in India, Arlette went back home to Luanda for a period of time while her visa was being processed. She then moved to Scotland to complete her high national diploma in mechanical engineering through the program between Sonengal and Glasgow College, where she was 
fortunate to encounter a number of people who would be influential at the start of her career. I can't name only one mentor. It was not just one or two. I have trained and worked with many different people, she says. What I did was get the maximum experience and knowledge of everyone I worked with and studied with during the process, and I'm very thankful to every single one of them. Despite being proud of her accomplishments, earning a scholarship and finishing her schooling, then becoming Sonengal's first female marine engineer at the age of 23, Arlette was somewhat taken aback by the expectations that were put upon her. When I talked to people, they made me feel like I was a role model. It was kind of heavy having that feeling, that responsibility, because people are looking at you as an inspiration and you don't even know it. Her bewilderment is completely understandable when she explains that she has never met an experienced woman marine engineer, someone she could perhaps emulate or look to for guidance or simply talk to. Then she brightens upon recalling, I met a captain of a warship and I was so fascinated with her. I asked her what it is like to be a captain on a warship and if she had been to war, but she said no, she had only done training in simulation. Perhaps the young marine engineer's next question was more telling. I asked if she was married and she was divorced. Arlette muses, I think warships stay at sea longer. That balancing act is something that obviously weighs on her mind as she looks toward the future. At 25, she says, I want to start my own family. As a woman, it's very hard to deal with both the professional and personal side. I'm trying to make the way special for the women that stay at sea a long time away from their families. Sea women must be allowed something regarding maternity leave. Because of the length of time spent at sea, it may work for the guys, she says, but when you work on an oil tanker or a liquid natural gas ship, you cannot take a baby less than two years old. It's not the proper environment for a small baby or pregnant women. Once she has a family, Arlette hopes to continue her career at sea. If I could, I would. Again, she has no basis for comparison as the other marine engineers she has met have been young and single, starting out like she is. For now, Arlette has her sights set on climbing the career ladder. Currently, she is a third engineer. Once I feel confident in my skills, I will ask to go for examination for the next stage, she says. I work on a crude oil tanker, and while at sea, the marine engineer must make sure that the ship runs without any problems. We do routine maintenance to prevent the systems and equipment from failing. And by that, she means the hundreds of moving parts, machinery, and mechanical devices that must be kept in working order. Depending on the route and the speed of the vessel, it can take up to 20 days for the tanker to reach its destination. A typical workday on the high seas is from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., much like an average business day on shore, but that is where the similarities end. Our let's duties encompass a myriad of responsibilities that range from starting and regulating the engines to the monitoring, maintenance, and repair of all vital systems, heating, refrigeration, ventilation, water, and electrical, to bunkering operations. When her shift is over, she often spends time in her cabin listening to music or watching a film, but more often than not studying to reach the next level of licensing. She then returns to the engine room at 9 p.m. for a round, which entails checking the status of every single piece of equipment to ensure that it is functioning properly. When the tanker is in port, the crew works in shifts, six hours on and six hours off. During that time, Arlette is in the engine control room performing cargo operations, including the discharge or loading of crude oil. Given the long periods at sea, life can become monotonous at times. When I'm really involved in action, Maintenance of equipment, such as generations, overhauling the systems, the time goes faster, she says. Everyone knows what to do and how to do it, and that's when the time passes quickly. 
However, there is one task, there is no way to improve. Arlette confesses, I hate working on the sanitation system. Signing off for shore leave when the ship arrives in a port provides a welcome break. I have been in so many countries, I don't even remember the names of them. Her favorite port of call was the Caribbean island of Curacao. I was only there a short time, but it was amazing. It was the first time I went off the ship and didn't do shopping. I visited the city, I saw the houses and met the people and tried to understand their culture. I got invited to a party. Their language mixes Spanish and Portuguese, so I could understand them. As much as she enjoys the travel, Arlette says, it's hard being out at sea for so long because you're away from home. Normally when people go to work, they go home after seven or eight hours. When I did my first sailing as an engineer, I went for six and a half months. Then I was supposed to go on vacation in China. I was buying equipment for the salon I own, Najima Beauty Shop, and I got the call to go home. My mom was sick. I got to the hospital the day before she passed away. I think she waited for me to get there. Despite that devastating loss, Arlette persevered and returned to sea, even though she did not have the support of other women waiting for her. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman in a man's environment because most of them are macho. When she joined Sonangal and discovered that there were only two women in the Angolanization program, she wished she had more female colleagues. Although the number has now increased to 20, she says she has grown used to being in the minority. With her slight frame at 1 meter, 71 centimeters tall, Arlette, who normally works alone, says, If I need some strength, sometimes I get help from the motorman or an engineer, but we women think how we can use less manpower. We use our minds to make the work easier. You can minimize the manpower and the strength you need by using the equipment you have available. She recalls a male engineer she was sailing with, whom she describes as very tiny, who asked her rhetorically, do you think I can lift this motor? You don't have to apply a lot of strength. You can think instead. You will find a way. His comments stayed with her, and she says, ever since that day, I have tried to work smarter, not harder, and find a better way to do things rather than using more force. I tell my boss, I am the dirtiest engineer at work. I'm dealing with the generator boilers and they're leaking like hell. I'm dealing with the black crude oil. I'm always washing my hands. And sometimes I get an allergy from the powder because it's so strong. I keep a brush for my nails. Leave it to this woman entrepreneur, one who runs a beauty salon on the side, to come up with an ingenious strategy for dealing with the not so glamorous aspects of the job. Sometimes Arlette says, I wear black nail polish so it's the same color as the oil. As a marine engineer, Arlette keeps an unusual schedule. After being away at sea for four months, she then spends the next two months on shore. If she is on the water for six months, she will spend the next three months on land. When you go home, you have to do something. I don't feel comfortable doing nothing. She occupies her time with her salon, continually updating her skills with instructional videos on hair and makeup techniques, takes courses such as the one in French to improve her education, and studies to qualify as a second engineer in order to reach her ultimate goal of becoming a chief engineer, before once again heading offshore to play an instrumental role in the running of a crude oil tanker. It should come as no surprise then that Fastudo translates from Portuguese, the official language of Angola, to English as does everything. Before you go, here are some events on deck from my colleague Savannah at the Oil & Gas Global Network. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for July 2021. 
This month we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're always interested in staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on July 29th. Our June happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the June one, we hope to see you there this month at our July happy hour. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Don't forget that it's on July 29th. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events. The first one being the Doug Permian and Eagle Ford Conference at the Fort Worth Convention Center from July 12th to July 14th. And the next in-person event is the SPE International Data Science Convention at the Norris Convention Center in Houston, Texas on July 8th. Next, we have our two online events. The first being a Cognite webinar titled, From Buzzwords to Boardrooms, What Energy Leaders Really Think About the Transition Towards True Sustainability. And that's on July 8th from 11.30 to 12.30. And lastly, we have the US Africa Energy Forum, which is online on July 12th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for July. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in.